What if all you needed to get better in every way was available at the touch of a hand or the sound of a voice or even a vibration? Let's talk about how that happens, who can do it, and where to find them. I'm John Webster, and this is The Hesitant Healer. Greetings and welcome to The Hesitant Healer. I'm John Webster here with my trusty sidekick, Lisa Kay. Say hey, hey Lisa. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Um, we're here on a uh, on a Saturday, which is kind of a rarity for us. We don't normally record these things on Saturdays. And uh, we have a super secret special guest we're going to talk to here in a minute. Ooh. Um, how's your week going? You got anything going on? <laughs> she laughs because we just... Uh, <laughs> We just acquired the room next door, and uh, spoiler alert, we're working on building a little yoga room next door. So for those of you that are locals and are patrons of uh, Redlands Massage Therapy and whatnot up here, uh, we got a little yoga studio coming here in the near future, and we've been working pretty hard to get that up and running. Or yoga teachers. And yoga teachers for small classes. We can probably get six, seven people in their tops. Yeah. And so it'll be relatively small classes. Yeah. So today uh, we have a person who is a family member. Uh, what I will tell you about this person who's a family member is I went to their house one time when she was in high school and she was nice enough to let me stay in her room <laughs> And uh, it was fine because she was so busy that that entire four days we were there, I didn't see her once. Mm. She would get up at 4 a.m. She would go do band practice and stuff. She'd go to school. She did all kinds of stuff. And as far as I've known her, she has always been that way. <laughs> and it turns out that this kid, who's now an adult, uh, went to school and became a dietitian. And uh, she's using part of that in her life. She does that sometimes now. She worked for a hospital for a bit. And uh, this is the daughter of my brother, Matt, who you have already heard on this podcast. And her name is Killian Webster. Hey, Killian. Hi, Uncle John. Uncle John. <laughs> I get to be Uncle John today. Aw. Hey, so uh, tell us a little bit about why you went to school, why you chose that uh professional band and uh what you were hoping to learn from that so at some point in high school i just kind of realized that i know so little about food and about the human body and it just kind of freaked me out i was like wow this is you know what i am and i know so little about what i am i don't understand these processes i don't understand what it means to digest and to eat and it's something i do all day every day it turns out yeah turns out you kind of need to do that and so it was weird to me that i didn't know anything about it and so i looked up like what you can do with that and i'd never heard of a dietitian so then when i knew that a dietitian was a thing and that that is basically an expert in food and the body and digestion and nutrition i then looked into how you be one of those and you need to do five years of school at an accredited school with an accredited program and there were only two of those in north carolina and i had already been rejected from one of them so <laughs> i was like let me go ahead and apply for the other one ah. so i did and i got that and so i did my school at the university of north carolina greensboro and i have been doing it since 
So this was not predicated on any personal sickness or, or things that you had. You just got curious about how the body works, specifically when it had to do with diet, and you went ahead and jumped in with both feet? Yeah, I just wanted to know how it worked. <laughs> so was there any part of that schooling that just blew your mind and surprised you about how the body works and di- dietitian things? Just that it gets so tiny. It gets so, so tiny down to the molecular chemical and that that stuff matters and has an impact on how we feel. I'm like, how can one little molecule decide if I'm okay or not? <laughs> like, how wow. is it possibly yeah. get that small? <laughs> so it turns out there might be something to not eating McDonald's and Twinkies. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll get into that a little bit later, but <laughs> just that, like, if you're missing one single essential nutrient vitamin, it's just like, you're not okay. You will get a goiter. Like something will be very wrong. <laughs> Right. Can you expound on that a little bit? And give me some more information on, on some things that you learned that were just like, oh my God, if I don't eat this, I'm going to get this. Like one of the things I learned, I learned a long time ago, which kind of blew me away. And it's, it's more of a history lesson than anything. But um, like people that came across on like the Mayflower or back in those days um, when they didn't have citrus fruits, got diseases. And I'm like, I had no idea, right? You, you take for granted what you eat every day and don't realize that nutrition makes a difference. But since I've gotten into this line of work, I've learned weird things like you want to eat fruits that are in season or foods that are in season. You want to stick to your general area. You're, you tend to be healthier if you eat foods that come from your general area because you're acclimated to those kind of areas, that kind of stuff. So I started learning that like, if I'm getting uh, things like apples out of season, because when I was a chef, this is what I learned. When I'm getting apples out of season, it's like, wait a minute, they're out of season. How come I'm getting apples? And then I go do this research and find out they've been sitting in a warehouse for six months being gassed. And that's, yeah. how, that's how they got that way, right? Or you get, you get f- strawberries out of season and find out they're coming from Chile, which is on the other side of the equator. And just thinking about those little minute things and what that does to the general population was like, mind-blowing but it's a thing right yeah i mean definitely it obviously affects flavor i think there's some things that people are a little more worried about than they should be like frozen and canned foods are generally perfectly fine because they are frozen and processed and stuffed a way that they do keep their nutritional value and also there's something to be said for what people can access because we do have people who live in areas where they cannot get fresh seasonal things like that and so it's like if you can get a can of green beans that's better than nothing and i don't want people to feel like well it's just as bad as you know a cheeseburger or something so i shouldn't even eat it so that's not generally my takeaway but there is also something to the sustainability of eating local right yeah the pollinators and there's you know it didn't travel on a truck for a long time putting gas into the air so i love local for that reason too well, I know, I know your dad prefers canned to like local roadkill there in North Carolina. And that's, <laughs> that's always been a thing for him. Shout out to my brother. Yeah. So what, once you graduated, what, uh, what were you hoping to accomplish? What did you want to do? So when I can kind of choose what I want to do, which is not how it works when you're in a hospital. When you're in the hospital, you just get who comes in and that kind of thing. But in I have done some private practice work. And the private practice work that I've done has been in eating disorders. That's generally my focus and my interest. Nice. So 
how can that help somebody with an eating disorder? Let's pick one. Anorexia. What kind of diet am I doing for somebody who might have anorexia? So it's, I mean, the best is always personalized if you know that person and what they like and what they need. But generally, like I stay away from diet plans because uh, sometimes they can be more harmful than helpful, especially when it's someone who got into this situation because they were being too regimented. Like if they had a trainer who is way too uptight with like, you have to, you know, get these macros and these kind of things. If I give them a diet plan that says you eat X, Y, and Z, and that's it, they're still in that same mindset of what started their sickness. So it depends on that with the person too. And so generally you kind of just try and find where it came from for them. Like, is it that they're their parents had a terrible relationship with food and they saw that growing up. So it can honestly be more of a therapy thing. Like lifestyle and environmental imprint. Yeah. And so a lot of times I mostly talk to these people just like, not as a therapist, because we're not licensed as a therapist, but sure. we, we talk so much more about like, so how are you feeling? How are you doing? Then like, what are you eating? And this is also people who are at like, a, uh, they are less sick. If it's someone who is sick enough that they need to be inpatient or at like a treatment center, that's different. I don't know as much about that because when you're doing like Zoom patient therapy, it has to be someone who's not like on the verge of going into right. the hospital. Sure. Right. Was that part of your curriculum? One of the things that's discussed when they're talking about diet is this the psychology of it? Yeah, for sure. I had classes that was all about cultural nutrition. And so we had to like make stuff from different cultures and research different countries, because that's also a huge thing that impacts what people eat. And people can be really judgy about it, especially like this space of like dietitians on the internet who just want to be like, you should eat broccoli and chicken and rice and nothing else. And it's like, I'm literally from, you know, Guatemala or something like that. Like that's not, that's never going to be who I am and what I eat. And so nutrition and the nutrition space has a lot that it needs to do in terms of diversity, because like you can learn as much about another culture as you can. And that's awesome. But if you actually come from that culture and are a dietitian and can speak to them, much more closely than that's always preferable. I like that. You know, I know uh, growing up way back in the day, we had a triangle chart that had a list of foods, right? That the were all food the good pyramid. Things. And maybe, maybe 10 years ago, I saw that thing upside down and that's what it is today, right? What's the current nutritional thought processing of what's healthy today? What do we want to look for? Right now it's the my plate. So it's a little plate and it has like four or five divided sections. And so that was more helpful because instead of looking at like a pyramid, you can't really translate that into your life very well. But if you're looking at a plate, it's like I eat off a plate every day. And so it's like if I'm thinking about a quarter of this being protein, half of it being grain, a quarter of it being vegetable, you know, that kind of thing, that's much easier to visualize. So that's generally what they go with. But I am also like, I can get a little conspiracy theory e sometimes like no no <laughs> no there's just like a section to the side specifically for dairy and I have this problem like with the the like nutrition like governing body too is that so much of it is sponsored and a lot of it is sponsored by like the dairy alliance and things like that so you know hashtag controversial opinion <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not entirely certain everyone needs a glass of milk every day especially people who are lactose intolerant like it doesn't always take things like that into consideration so it's always best to personalize but 
the my plate is a good place to start and it is a place i've started with a lot of patients is just like you know they've they're in the hospital because they had an issue in their diabetes and so if i can hand them this and be like there shouldn't be more than like a palm-sized thing of protein that's something they can understand in a place that they can start exactly and practical because you know you always have your hand, usually. <laughs> so, usually. Um, how about the emotional content that goes with our eating? Um, that we call it comfort food for a reason. Yeah, and that also can go back to like cultural things of like, I grew up eating this. And so when I'm stressed, I just want my mom's mac and cheese or my mom's apple pie. But I really feel that it is first and foremost important to come from a place of intuitive eating and giving yourself grace because oh, the that. more you stress yourself and the more you're like oh my god i'm a horrible person because i ate this that and the other like, you're just going to continue to spiral that doesn't come from a place of love and to be nice to yourself and you know treat your body the way it should be treated you have to love it first so if you're constantly being like oh my gosh i'm the worst i had m&ms that's not going to make you eat less M&Ms. It's just going to make you eat them in secret and eat more of them. Right. And, and whose voice is that to, right? I mean, a lot of times when I'm talking to people like this, it's like, who do you hear when you hear that, right? Because usually it's not themselves. It's somebody else that taught them how to do that, right? And there's there's huge stigmas around that type of eating and that type of food, Um for instance, um, my mother, your grandmother, you know, rest in peace, was was the cultural aspects of growing up dirt poor on the south side of the tracks in Winslow, Arizona, had an effect on the way that she saw and related to food, right? Which, when we were growing up, is how we related to food, right? And I, I think when we sit around the table, our favorite story is my mom one day came in with a a, a tide-sized box of tapioca pudding that she got on sale oh, and force-fed us that shit for months, and I'll, I won't eat that stuff ever again, right, as long as I live. However, for her, it was a bargain, and it was a thing that made sense, and that was the deal. Well, now let's go the next generation out to you and to my kids, and how did how did we see that, and how did we feed you guys? And now you're we're going to the next ge generation out from there, and and... A lot of that culture has to do with the story of where it came from as well. Yeah, for sure. And you, you know, if I'm sure you've talked about and learned about generational trauma and how it's like stored in your body and stored in your DNA. And so that's another thing that like is really terrible about restrictive eating is that I can put your body into a survival mode where it just feels terrible all the time. And it's not even getting as much from the food you're giving it as it can and it should because it's just so stressed out. Excellent point. Excellent point. When you put your body into fight or flight or if you've been in fight or flight forever, your stress responses, your your cortisol levels are through the roof. And and your body's going to respond to those nutrients or the absence of nutrients if you're eating crappy and it's going to it's going to have a huge effect on how you feel. Emotionally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all the things that go with it. So food becomes an important thing. In a lot of different areas, it can go with spirituality, it can go with with physicality, it can go with with health, and uh, it can certainly heal as well. It, once you understand all those different things, can can you talk to? And this is an area I really don't understand, and I I I didn't grow up with it in my generation. You guys have grown up with it in yours, like all the time. But 
Um, you talked about uh, milk allergies, but what about like gluten or wheat allergies, which are super prevalent? Where did this come from? What's the deal? What happens to you when you're gluten intolerant? And and are you banned to a life of cardboard or can you actually eat with flavor? Uh, man, yeah, that stuff really sucks because it does restrict a lot of what you can do and where you can go and how you can enjoy food. I mean, I know someone in my life who got a uh, an allergy from a tick bite. And oh. so she, she now can't have any mammalian products. Right. I have heard that one. Is that Lyme disease or something different? Alpha-gal. Alpha-gal. Yeah. And and it's no a- no mammalian products, like no meat, no milk, no nothing? <gasps> yeah. Oh, that sounds horrible. It and, is horrible. Like, And John, ready? No bacon. Oh, yeah. Kill me now. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. She, you know, you will have stuff like uh, ostrich because it is technically a bird, but it tastes a lot more like red meat. So you find these kind of things yeah, 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 yeah. still continue to enjoy life. But I can tell you with gluten allergies, I think the most serious one is celiac disease. Yeah. And so if you have celiacs and you eat gluten, your intestine literally starts to like break down. Like you are losing intestinal cells if you eat gluten. because it's- so, it, so it thins the intestinal walls? Yeah. And so then you can get like, then you can't digest as well as you used to because, you know, you're losing those things and it hurts. Le- leaky gut, peristalsis, all those things stop working. Yeah, That kind of stuff. So it's really serious, like celiac disease. Like you cannot. And, it, and, and it's inflamed, right? Right. Oh, yeah. So you yeah. have a whole inflammatory response going on. And painful. And, and for those of you out there who don't know, you have like, what, 30 foot of lower intestine all balled up in there. And that's that's tummy that goes from just below your uh, your ribs to just above your your uh, pelvic, pelvic bone. Yeah. All that whole belly pack is just and if it's inflamed, that can be super painful. But let, let's talk about the other parts that are involved that that you're your descending colon drops down to your sigmoid colon, which runs across to your colon or your rectum. And that's basically the poop shoot, right? When all of that stuff is inflamed, there's a lot of things that can happen in there. It's not just your tummy that hurts, right? There's a lot of different things going on in that, in that Southern region when you're inflamed and you're not eating right, nothing works and it hurts and it's miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have another friend with Crohn's disease. And so thankfully, it's more or less in remission now. But when she was in high school, it was horrible, just inflamed and in pain all the time. <laughs> so what kind of diety things would help a person like that? Again, it depends person to person. There's a lot of specific stuff with fiber. So sometimes you can't have things like nuts and seeds, because they'll just irritate like the colon and the lining in there. Sometimes you want more things like that because they are fibrous. And so it really depends on if you need like the soluble versus the insoluble, but also you just need to kind of know yourself as a person and know what irritates you personally. A lot of times spicy foods are just completely- Just completely out. Yeah, citrusy things like that. Anything that can potentially be irritating is generally generally avoided because you do not need any more irritation in that area. So for those of you who don't don't know or understand when I said peristalsis, what what happens inside your colon and your lower intestine and and pretty much all the tubes that are making food digest inside of you is there's a series of tubes and on the inside of these tubes 
there's a movement that's probably akin to what, like a caterpillar, yeah? And the caterpillar pushes food down through these tubes until it exits. But as it's doing that, you're getting different kinds of enzymes and different kinds of acids and different kinds of things that are breaking this food down. There's also catch receptors that are pulling nutrients out and sending it into the proper organs of the bloodstream, yeah? And correct me if I'm not hitting this right. I think I'm okay so far. And then eventually it turns it to solid waste. And that solid waste gets pushed down through the, the rectum until it literally becomes shit, right? So when when Killian's talking about uh, seeds uh, irritating, that lining has become so sensitive that uh, it's like sandpaper on the inside. And that causes inflammation and swelling in several different layers of those tubes. And they kind of stop working to protect themselves. And then the opposite of that is if you put fiber in there, it almost tickles it or itches it to where it helps the caterpillar move quicker. And that's what forces the poop out, right? Um, and then there's other little tricks like uh, magnesium, which which holds a little bit of weight and, and grabs waste and forces that out. There's a lot of different things you can do. Um, but one of the things I heard years ago now is is – if you have an, like an upset stomach or acid reflux and you're taking something like Tums all the time, that it tricks your body into not doing any it's of that job. stuff. Right. And that could be a, a very dangerous thing. And people get used to taking these things like candy and the producers put the commercials out and they make it seem like it's, you know, when I got upset tummy, right. <laughs> diarrhea, they make diarrhea sound so pretty. Um <laughs> then then you're not doing your body a service by processing this out. And and what you've learned and part of what you want to teach people is that you can do this naturally with food products and and items that you can find in your grocery store or health food store and not a medicine or a medication that's going to teach your body not to do that at all. Would that be true? Yeah, I mean, I, medicine for sure has its place. I don't ever want to discourage people from taking a medicine, especially if it's directed by their doctor. But you're totally right about like, if you take something like a PPI, a proton pump inhibitor, then you you teach your body actually sometimes to overproduce that right. thing because it's having to like jack up those levels to fight with the medicine that you're taking. So then if you were to go off that medicine, your levels would be so much higher than when you started because you've taught your body like it's not enough. I mean, I've seen similar things with, and that's not my area, but like with melatonin, if you like give your body these, you know, commercially created chemicals, it stops right. producing the chemicals itself. And so then you've just kind of messed it up in that way. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I learned about uh, uh, receptors and heard something one time that said uh, uh, pretty much every drug that we crave, we already have a receptor for it. It's just not working right, you know. So there's there's THC receptors, there's heroin receptors, all that stuff is already in us. Uh, we just like enhancing it. I really liked enhancing it a lot at one point. <laughs> so what's next for you? Um, I'd love to get more you know, back into the private practice center. It's kind of a difficult time right now just with, you know, it's not like officially a recession, but people are spending less money right now on things that aren't absolutely critical. And so the level of care that I've been doing with like, you know, just the over Zoom therapy, more people are like, I don't know that I can really afford that right now, especially with insurance, like does not cover it a lot of the times, or they're just 
awful to work with so where you don't get reimbursed for like a good couple of months and so then the practitioner can't do what they need to do right yep yeah i'm just kind of in the same line of business covid changed a lot of that stuff too i mean it it, the good part of it is people are more aware of that kind of need in their lives the bad part is it it costs money to pay us to do to do what we want right yeah i mean you talked about that on the episode with my dad just that like you have these things and you want to help people and you want to heal people but there is the financial aspect of it that like you can't do the work you want to do and need to do without somebody paying somebody right that's that's just the reality i I ain't doing this for free and lisa k will not allow me to take banana bread for payment any longer no no because you know why they won't let us pay our rent in banana bread so but it tastes so good i i know i know okay yeah so if um what is the one overlying thing that you would like people to know about uh maybe their relationship to food. I think that you can trust yourself. You can trust yourself and you can trust your body to know what it needs and know trust your gut. You can absolutely trust your gut <laughs> to know what's right for you and know what you need. And there's, you know, like you're talking about that voice, there will sometimes be that voice that's telling you like, Oh, you don't really need that. Or like, you don't really want that. You need to wait and you need to, you know, do this, that, and the other, but if you start listening to your body, it is easier to hear. It'll sound really quiet at first, but the more you respect it, the more it'll talk to you. Top three bad foods, go. I don't like calling foods bad, but. Thank you, yes. There's there's this, just as, as an aside, Killian, we have a really good friend who um, kind of posts on, on Instagram and Facebook, and she's much younger uh, than we are. And she ha- she often talks about there are no bad foods and there are no good foods. There is just food. And then when we attach that label to it, that, uh, you know, it's kind of like um, when you attach that excitement to it, like, ooh, I'm going to eat bad food, you know, that kind of thing. And so I, I appreciate that you said there aren't really bad foods. That was just a test. I was just testing. <laughs> Anything you're allergic to is a bad food. What about things like Diet Coke? I was having a conversation with a client the other day about uh, things like aspartame and uh, and um, uh, alcohol-based sugars and uh, how those got snuck into the food system. In fact, when we're done here, I'll tell that story. But um, di- Diet Coke is not necessarily a good thing and doesn't help you lose weight, yeah? Yeah, it's one of those things for the longest time, what we said, because, you know, we're very, our field is all about evidence-based. And so it's like, if we don't have the evidence, we cannot say one way or the other. And so I think honestly, until like this year, for the longest time, it was like, we don't have any evidence that they are bad. We don't have any evidence for sure, like in a study that it is bad for you or will cause these things. But I think if I'm remembering my literature correctly, I think there was something this year linking those like fake sugars to maybe cancer uh couldn't you couldn't quote me on it but i think there was actually something this year that came out for sure that those artificial sugars are not good for us and if nothing else they do definitely mess with your brain in the way that you're telling your body that you're eating something sweet but then they don't get the sweet calories because it's a zero calorie thing. And so then your brain is confused and it might lead you to crave something sugary when otherwise you wouldn't have. Cause it's ah. like, you told me we were getting sugar and then I didn't. So right. you better fulfill that somewhere else. Cause I'm not being lied to. <laughs> right. I like exactly. that. Exactly. 
You've been a wealth of information. Thank you so much. Thank you. If someone wanted to get a hold of you um, to perhaps use you as a service, what would be the best way for them to do that? They could email me at killian.webster at gmail.com. That's K-I-L-L? Yep. I-O-N-W-E-B-S-T-E-R. With a dot between the first and last name. Between the first and the last. Perfect. So if you need a dietitian, call this girl. Thanks. If I'm licensed in your state. That's right. There you go. Well, you're licensed in your state. So how how does that work on the internet? That, oh my gosh, that stuff got all so weird with COVID because there are some states that license and some don't. Like Virginia doesn't license, so you don't have to have a Virginia license as long as you're a nationally like registered dietitian. North Carolina does license. I don't think California licenses. I don't think Florida licenses. North Carolina licenses. And wow. so it's a whole wonky thing that I wish they would fix. Wow. All right. We won't even get into that. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. And we will talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. So that was nice, huh? That was. I, I really enjoyed talking to your niece. Get to talk to my niecey from across the country. She's, she's uh, don't tell the others, but she's the smartest of the bunch. So. <laughs> don't tell the others. Um, uh, at least in that family. We'll say that. Uh, don't, don't tell Matt and Karen. Uh so a couple of personal stories about diet. Uh, I'm going to let you go first. What What do you have to say about the diet? You know, um, the last couple, actually just in this week, you and I have been talking to uh, specifically two young women who have new attitudes about health and their bodies, um, ones that you and I didn't necessarily grow up with. Um I, I did some athletics when I was younger and... You know, it, it, when we're young and bulletproof, we can eat absolute crap and clown climb Mount Whitney. Right. You know, and, right. and metabolism has something to do with it. Health has something to do with it. But one day you wake up and that shit just stops. Right. But I think your point was there's also a reality to uh, athleticism and the way that you're using your body. Right. And how you eat and things that could happen. Tell, tell me tell me about that. So as women, we're built a certain way. And uh, uh, in fact, my um, I have a cousin who was actually friends with the very first woman who snuck onto the Boston Marathon course. Uh, we were told as women that we were not strong enough to run an entire marathon until <laughs> 66, 68, somewhere in there. Cooking and cleaning and ironing. Right? That's what we did. So um, if you are a woman, your body is meant to uh, be healthy, and there is a certain percentage of fat that you must have in your body to A, survive, and B, um, so beyond homeostasis to have things like your period and um, be able to function. So a lot of times what I observed is that, especially in uh, young women athletes, they would be working and training hard, which is what we reward in this country, you know, go, go, go. And uh, their body fat would actually dip below where it needed to be. And so during their season, whatever that was, if it was running or basketball or volleyball or um, whatever season it was, during that season, uh, their body fat drips and they would stop having periods. 
Did the body fat dip or did it drip? It dipped. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so, and they, now. Because if it, if it drips. <laughs> that's a bad they're, thing. They're way too hot. Right. So that is, uh, you think about what you have done to your delicate system to make it turn off one of your systems. It would be like, what can I do to shut off my pulmonary system? You know, what can I do to shut off my reproductive system? And the thing you can do is not have enough fat. But as a, as a young person, mm-hmm. when you were doing that, mm-hmm. it was like a badge of honor though, wasn't it? Oh yeah, like. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't worried about the fact that you weren't eating enough and you were working so hard that your period stopped. You were just excited that you got to that point and became a badge of honor, right? right? So how you look at these systems at whatever age you are also makes a difference about how we treat our bodies. Very, very much so. And then, you know, there there are uh, sometimes lifelong issues with that, that, you know, you you shut off a period, it doesn't just pop back naturally, wonderfully, and painlessly. Some of those girls have had real trouble with uh, their reproduction. And uh, beyond that, even when they go into menopause, it kind of messes everything up. So it certainly had consequences. um, And it certainly was not healthy. It wasn't even close to healthy. So when I hear younger women speaking of have an, an intuitive good relationship with food, or have an intuitive good relationship with your body you know it 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 gives me hope nice um i got one and and this is a story that we were talking about this week it, it's been a while since i brought this up um and it, it was part of my journey that helped me learn it was one of the, the the tidbits of information that that started me on my journey towards holistic healing i was uh i was working in the jail at the time i had just started so this is around uh, 097, I guess. I was relatively newly sober. I got sober in 94. So I'd been sober about three or four years and I'm working in jail. And uh, when I would drink, Lisa Kay, mm-hmm. and I would come home late at night, uh, I have some distinct memories of uh, right before going to bed, pretty drunk, standing in front of a mirror. Because, you know, towards the end, you just kind of look yourself in the eye and ask a lot of deep dark questions <laughs> and uh i would i would look myself in the face and i would i would notice because i have hazel eyes i would notice these gray literally gray rings around my my the eyes iris my irises yeah yeah yeah. wow and uh and oftentimes if not every time i would wake up in the morning feeling like shit and hung over and i would look and i had these huge black bags under my eyes Hmm. Now, being Hispanic and with uh, uh, some Hispanic heritage, I got pictures of uh, great grandfathers and uncles who have these big black eyes. So I thought it was my destiny to uh, hereditarily just have these things. And I wasn't happy about it. But I I would get these big black uh, bags and I would still have the rings around my eyes in the morning. Hmm. And when I got sober and stopped drinking, I noticed that the bags kind of went away. Hmm. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting, right? And I was learning a little bit. By now, I was cooking and learning a little bit, bit about nutrition and, and in the uh, the halls of learning higher educational food services. And uh, the bags got better. The eyes got better. And then uh, I noticed one day, I don't know, one, two, three years in, that uh, I look in the mirror one night and I got the rings around my, my irises. Hmm. And, and you I, hadn't had a drink. I hadn't had a drink. I'm like, I know I'm not drinking. And then I would uh, 
I'd look under my eyes the next morning, I'd have the bags. And sometimes I'd notice the bags during the middle of the day. Hmm. And I went, huh, well, that's interesting. Now, somewhere in here, uh, in the middle of the night, in a drawer that hadn't been opened in a while, in the middle of the bowels of the jail in the kitchen. That sounds like a, a Charles Dickens novel. Listen, listen it, it, it's as dank as it sounds. Oh. And uh, I found a book, an old dietitian book from the 1950s. And I started reading it because I was bored. I know I should have been watching Inmates, but I was bored. And uh, I found some pieces of information that talked about uh, how the body turns sugars into acetaldehyde and how the body transports alcohol into acetaldehyde in your liver. It, it is the exact same thing wow. as go complex carbohydrates. So sugar, carbohydrates, alcohol, all break down into your liver the same way. I'm like, son of a bitch, look mm. at that. So then I start paying attention to what I'm eating. And I notice uh, certain nights I get the rings and certain nights I don't. And it turns out through process of elimination, those certain nights I'm eating ice cream. Ah, Yeah. And uh, I would eat bowls of ice cream. Mm. One of the other things I used to eat all the time, like a man, like a bachelor for as long as I could, mm. was uh, breakfast cereals, right? Uh, I, uh, I miss cereal. Listen, listen. Oh. Here's how you eat breakfast cereal, folks. <laughs> you get a salad bowl, right? A salad bowl. Salad bowl. And you pour Frosted Flakes mm. and Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios. Of course. And... Uh, I didn't like Fruity Pebbles. Another grainy one. Um, <gasps> Cap'n Crunch. Oh. Right? And you put your hand over the bowl. So you touch the cereal, and then you pour the milk in between your fingers <laughs> so that when the when the things pop up, you're holding them down, and you can soak them into the milk, right? <laughs> and then you get a big spoon, not a little baby spoon. You get a big spoon, and then you eat the shit out of that cereal, right? <laughs> I can't tell you how long I did that. No idea how I gained weight in my 30s. But check this out. Between the ice cream and the cereal, I started noticing uh, I, I'm getting the bags. Mm. And then, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Lisa. Oh, my God. The thought entered my head. Your mother was right. <laughs> oh, Ouch. She said sugar was of the devil. And it turns out that all the sugar I was eating was causing these bags. So I start knocking out sugar a little bit. Well, then I noticed there's a differentiation between the ice creams I was eating. Hmm. Now, let's go back. Let's turn the way back machine to the 70s. Uh, right? Ice cream trucks, drinking out of hoses, that kind of shit, right? <laughs> and we survived it. When so. you were when you were young, do you remember getting ice cream? Yeah, it came in like a square box. Came in a square like box, a, like that's right. Like a rectangle. Yep. Yeah. And you open the box, and could you just scoop it out with a spoon? No, you had to cut it. Or you had to temper it and let it get soft, right? Right, right, right. Or you had to cut it like a square, and everybody would get a little chunk of that, right? right. And then one day, it wasn't that way. Mm -hmm. Now let's take the Wayback Machine again back to the 70s. I want you to think about having chocolate. Right? Remember chocolate? Oh, and and, yeah. and semi-sweet chocolate was a thing because that's how they made all the stuff. But there was also Hershey's or whatnot. Oh, and now you yeah. take the chocolate and you get one little square for your dessert and then you put it in the cupboard. And it's in the cupboard for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And you pull it out. What's it look like? It's got white stuff all it's over all it. It's all white. You know why it's white? It emulsified? It was oxygenated. Oxygenated. Right? So the cocos and the oils in there got oxygenated and dried out. Right? Ah. 
Now, the ice cream and the chocolate, at a certain point in time, and this would be mid-80s to late-80s, took a turn. Hmm. Somebody somewhere figured out that if you put an alcohol-based sugar, that's anything that ends in an O-L or a Y-L, that it would not freeze because alcohol doesn't freeze. Oh, that's if right. If you've okay. ever put vodka in the freezer. I would have never, ever done that. It doesn't turn to ice cubes. It no. just stays cold. No, it, right? it, it becomes an icy So pleasure. some brainy alcoholic scientists figured out that if you put an alcohol-based sugar into chocolate, it will not get hard. Wow. Or ice cream. Okay. And so overnight, and again, because I was a chef, I was an executive chef at the time because I was into trade manuals. I, I, I worked in the Southern California Inland Empire Chefs Association. I was, I was at a national level at some point. I was really in the food industry getting all the trade magazines. I was paying attention to this stuff. Overnight, somebody snuck this stuff into our food. And nobody was asking. So now when I get ice cream, now I, I got to admit, I, I do have certain ice creams and sorbets that I really enjoy. I do not get the... Uh, so hard it bends a spoon. Correct. You can't find that anymore. Right. Like like that. It's only got three ingredients. Because kind of they thing. soften the ice cream. Right. So here was the other thing. The better the ice cream, like Haagen-Dazs, or right. a higher level of... Breyers your, your, was pretty yeah, 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 yeah. You're paying more money for it. Or uh, milk fats. Mm -hmm. Uh, the better ice cream it is because it doesn't have those alcohol-based sugars and it's made naturally. But the cheaper ones... Right, like the store brand, for instance. You're going to find that in. Here's the other thing. So so I stopped eating the ice creams that had the alcohol-based sugars and or the chocolates. And there was a time frame where uh, the eyes came back and the gray circles weren't there anymore. Wow. And then it happened again. By now, I'm working in a hotel, and uh, I had access to a lot of different food products. And one of the things that we had was a deli that had uh, um, uh, Mrs. Fields cookies, and they 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 came in frozen boxes. Mm. And I noticed that the bags were coming back in the middle of the day, and the gray was coming back in the middle of the day. And mm. and uh, it turns out I had an affinity for fresh cookies baked right out of the oven. Ugh. And it turns out that the ones that had chocolate chips in them were doing the same thing. And that's how I put the chocolate chip thing together, right? Got it. Um, with the dietitian thing uh, when I was working in jail, because that was prior to. That was when I first got sober in 94. So between 94 and 97, 98, I learned, I went on a learning curve this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I get out of all of that, and I stop eating sugar on, a, on an unhealthy, uh, addictive level. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one day, I got the bags again, and I can't figure out what I've been eating. Hmm. And... Uh, I notice that when they're cooking fresh bread in the oven, oh. right? You get those rolls right out of the oven, and I need uh, one, two, three of them with some butter and some honey or whatnot. And mm. uh, I noticed that anytime I would sit at a table or be in the kitchen and eat something uh, blindly and uncontrollably and addictively, that mm. there's something in it I shouldn't be having. Uh-huh. Right? And bread, it turns out, is a high complex carbohydrate, which was turning to alcohol, sugar in my liver, and I was craving it. Wow. And so it took five, six years to get that whole story out of the way. And then I found that book and read that book and went, aha, that's what's happening, right? So I learned, interestingly enough, and how I learned the best in my life through my own body and through my own systems, that uh, 
A, sugar is bad. <laughs> B, um, there's times when you should eat it or shouldn't eat it and see that there are good sugars and bad sugars, right? Right, right. And uh, I'm not going to tell this story right, but uh, Killian was right in the uh, the phenylalanine, which is a uh, sugar substitute, and most of the sugar substitutes that they've come up with do actually go directly to the brain. And what they're finding now is it's not cancer. What they're finding now is that it's it's more than likely uh, one of the primary causes of the Alzheimer's that we're seeing. That oh, my it, gosh. That it's causing cell structures in the brain to uh, break up and die. And it's not wow. doing your liver any benefits either. And it does cause a false sense of sugar high in your brain so that your body does not realize that it craves more, uh, but it's craving more of a negative thing, and it's it's just not good. Let me tell you, I love, I love Diet Coke, right? I don't I, drink yep. Coke because of the sugar, and I love Diet Coke, and, and I try not to drink much of it, but uh, the fake sugars are not good for you more than the sugars are bad for you, right? And as right. a diabetic, because I am diabetic, and my mother was still right, <laughs> that uh, alcohol, I love the sugar. It turns out I love the sugar and alcohol. Oh. Right when I got sober and started researching all that stuff, it turns out what I really loved in the alcohol was the sugar. Was the sugar, right? Ask me my favorite fruit, grapes. Why do grapes make wine? Because they have the highest amount of sugar of any freaking fruit, right? Really, pineapple, watermelon, grapes, my favorites. Because I love sugar, mm. right? So anyway, uh, if you get anything from this podcast today, it's that sugar is bad. Well, there's several takeaways. That's a good takeaway. Okay. But, right. Okay, good. Thanks. Uh, uh, thanks for bailing me out. You there. I, and let me just, let's go back to this really, really fast. Sugar is not great for us, and it really is not good for our systems. But I still love what Killian said and, and what our one of our friends says. You know, when we label things bad and good... Uh, the bad becomes so much more intriguing. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. Like, men for you, right? <laughs> oh, I got a fuck you look. Um, <laughs> but it, it, and there's good sugars too, right? There's healthier sugars. And, right, and you like, can, honey is a great one, right? And, for, and, um, fruits and vegetables. Correct. You just want to limit them and eat in moderation, which really should be the overwhelming theme of today's show, which is... Eat things in moderation and eat healthy based on what your gut tells you. Exactly. Right? Because that's how we heal, mm -hmm. by understanding our bodies enough to make better decisions and how we how we choose to put things in us. Right. All right. Anything else? Uh, if you would like to get a hold of us, uh, we would love to hear questions, uh, comments, um, any constructive criticism. Uh, you can get us on WhatsApp, uh, 1-909-557-4415, or feel free to text or call that same number, 909-557-4415. Drop us a question, drop us a comment, give us some encouragement, tell us what we're doing wrong. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Or right. Tell us what we're doing right. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, we're on Instagram. Uh, we are also on Facebook. And we do have an email address, thehesitanthealer at gmail.com. Awesome. Don't forget, we got a dissection class coming up. We're taking money for that. And uh, we're looking for interest in a retreat, a healer's retreat, where we would have several healers available to help you throughout the weekend doing a variety of different things. Uh, thanks for listening. 
Enjoy the rest of the week. Peace out, y'all. Bye.